we started the Maimer, and we right away showed that we need to focus on the concept of Teira to understand what Purim is. So after asking some questions about Purim, we asked three questions about Teira. The first question is, what is Matan Teira all about? What's the big... What? Chiddush of Matan Teira. The second question was, why does it say Ashrei Misha Balakan that when you bring your Teira to the world to come, to Ganeiden, then it's something which is a great accomplishment. Seemingly the Teira that you're bringing to Ganeiden is so insignificant compared to the Torah they're studying over there. And the third question was about the discrepancy between people who are expected to study all day and people who are um, who, who their, their obligation, their requirement is to study only a little bit in the morning and a little bit in the evening. This seems like such a wide discrepancy. It doesn't seem to fit. It doesn't seem to balance. And we answered the latter two questions by explaining why we have Torah. Torah is our way to connect to the Ein Seif, to the essence of Hashem. The essence of Hashem is something that logically we should not be able to connect to. It doesn't make sense that we should be able to have any type of relationship to Hashem himself, to the godliness which fills the world. Obviously, we have a connection because we're in the world. To the godliness which surrounds the world, we have a connection by way of negation, by way of opposite, by way of contrast. But to the essence of Hashem, the creator and us creations, there should be absolutely no relationship. Torah is the medium, it's the vehicle through which Hashem is able to connect to us because Torah acts as a muscle, an analogy. Just like an analogy contains the analog inside of it, although the analogy is completely different than the analog, the analogy may be speaking about princes, princes, princesses, and pirates. And the analog is about high levels of godliness, or whatever it may be, the comparison doesn't even begin. But nevertheless, the analogy is perfectly fitted to the analog so that through understanding and appreciating the analogy, because what do I know about godliness? But princes, princes, princesses, and pirates, I know all about, of course. So therefore, if I read the story about the pirates, then I'm able to appreciate the godliness through the analogy. In the same way, Torah is perfectly fitted so that the insight fits inside of it. And we said that this is this level that's perfectly fitted is specifically the level of Chachma of Atzilus, the beginning of Seder Hishtalshlus. Because Chachma, Oyraisa me Chachma Nafkas, the Torah emerges from the level of Chachma and then it flows down through the worlds and it creates the Ganeiden. It's the Ganeiden that Adam Harishin was put in. Vinahar Yaitse Me'eden. And it's the 
Ganeden uh, that we are able to appreciate in the worlds of Bria and the worlds of Yitzira when our neshama leaves our body. We're able to go into that Ganeden as well. That's the flow of Torah. The level of Chachma of Atzilus, that is the ultimate muscle, the ultimate analogy for the art inside for the infinite godliness, because Chachma is a level of Bittal. Because Chachma doesn't have any feeling of self, when a person understands something on a Chachma level, he does not feel that he achieved it because it's not like Bina, it's my understanding, it's my grasp. It's not like Das, it's something which is absorbed inside of me. Chachma is out there, it's ethereal. And because Chachma is so battle, that's why Chachma has room for something which is completely higher than it, completely beyond it. It's able to be a muscle for the nimshal. And with this we explain, this is why Ashrei Misha Balakan of Tamadil because the terror that we study here in this world is a muscle that we're able to appreciate the movie of the Ein Saif in Ganeiden Berchat the movie of the Ein Saif in Ganeiden is something that we're able to properly experience as a result of studying Torah here in this world. And we said also, this is why different people have different expectations of how much Torah they're supposed to study, because indeed, there are different neshamis that come down here into this world with different missions. And the Torah for you in Ganeiden or the nimshal, the, an, the analog for you in Gan Eden, is perfectly fitted to you and your mission here in this world. So if you're doing the mission here in this world, the way that you're supposed to do the mission here in this world, then you're going to be perfectly prepared for your Gan Eden in the world to come. But if you don't, then you're missing a ridge to your key, you're missing a a, a, a letter in your prescription and you're not able to see what you need to see. Now with this appreciation we're able to continue and to begin a little bit to address the first question. What is the chiddush of Matan Torah? What happened when Hashem gave us the Torah? What's different in before Hashem gave us the Torah and after Hashem gave us the Torah? Seemingly the Torah existed here in this world and was studied here in this world by the great um, leaders of humanity from Adam Harishain to Shem ben Noyach and the Aves HaKadoshim and the Shvatim um, uh, throughout all the generations. So let's study and come. The, the, uh, the Holy Tribes. Oh. Reuven, Shem and Levi. So let's see over here. We're, we're starting by the words Vihine Yisrael Zachu. It's a big Sorry. word, Vihine. The Sorry. second page, the second column, the word, big word, Vihine. Vihine Yisrael Zachu Matan Terah. Why are you so tired? Why are you so tired? The main Nakuda. The main point that we're about to explain is just like Chachma 
is able to be a mushal, an analogy to the Ein Saif as a result because of its bittel, it's the same with us. The chidush of Matan the novelty of Matan is that there is the potential, the possibility for every single Jewish child to sit down and study a verse in Torah, and through that, to connect to Hashem. Something which wasn't possible before. It's true that Torah was studied throughout all the generations. However, the way that the Torah was studied throughout all the generations, for example, when Avram Avinu sat down to study Torah, basically what Avram Avinu was doing was reaching tremendous heights, heights that are the pushing the limits of what a human being can accomplish. And the same with his son Yitzchak, the same with his son Yaakov, and so on through the Shivtei Ka, the great Shvatim, the sons of Yaakov Avinu. Because they worked on themselves tremendously, as Avram Avinu did from when he was a child and started searching for God and discovered Hashem and started teaching of the one Hashem that created heaven and earth, going against the trend of the time and the messages that were being proliferated by everyone else in the generation. And they they refined themselves more and more to the point that they should be a Merkava, a vehicle that through them godliness should be spread to the whole entire world. Avram through his Mida of Chesed, Yitzchak through his Mida of Gvur, and so on and so forth. And in this way, they studied Torah, meaning they lifted themselves up to be able from below to above to appreciate godliness, to connect to God. That's a huge accomplishment, a huge effort. And it's not something which is accessible to someone like me who hasn't put in that kind of work. And yet... The Torah is accessible to every single Jew. Any Jew can open up a Torah and study Torah and through the Torah connect to Hashem. Why? That's the chiddush, the novelty of Matan Torah. By Matan Torah, it's not that you have to refine yourself in order to be able to connect to the godliness inside of the Torah. Even somebody who gets called up to the Torah and he has no inkling what the words mean. He needs to say the Baracha on the Torah first. He needs to say Asher Nasan Lanu because he too is connecting to the Torah, even if he doesn't feel it. Even if he doesn't have that tangible recognition of that which he is accomplishing. That started only by Matan Torah. But for the Jews at the time of Matan Torah, to be a vessel 
that the Torah should be inside of them. They, like the level of Chachma, which we were just describing, needed to achieve a deep state of Bittal. And through achieving this state of Bittal, that's how the Torah was able to come into them. And what we're going to see over here is how did the Jews achieve that state of Bittal so that they should now be vessels that the Torah should be able to be inside of them. So again, the accomplishment of Matan Torah is the accessibility of Torah even to someone who does not do any work or does not have any preparation or any recognition of that which he's connecting to through Torah. And that's accessible only to a Jew. Our sages teach us, it says in the Gemara, if someone tells you that there's wisdom amongst the nations, believe them, there is wisdom. There are nations of the world who are very wise. But if someone tells you that there's terror amongst the nations, do not believe them. Indeed, in last week's parsha of Elam Mishpatim, Asher Tassim Lifneim, these are the laws that you should place before them. What's before them mean? So we're taught that before them means that if you have a judgment question, and this judgment question is arrived at through logical conclusions, like the whole tractate of Baba Basra that's almost exclusively based on logic. And there are arkais, akum, there are courts of the nations that they would, through their wisdom, arrive at the same logical conclusions that they would in Basin. So you might say, of course, if you have a halacha question about a fork that fell into a pot, you have to go to a rav, you can't go to the courts. However, a judgment question like this, a legal question, a monetary question, the courts will arrive at the same conclusion. Why not go to the courts? Lifnehem, the word Lifnehem means that even when you're dealing with Mishpatim, with logical conclusions, you have to go only to a Jewish court and not to a non-Jewish court, because although the conclusion is the same, the method is different. The method of the courts is through human logic, and the method of the Bastin is through Torah. And Torah is something which is only available to a Jew. And the reason why Torah is available to a Jew is because we stood by Matan Torah and we received the Torah and we said Nasev and Ishma. And from then on, something new began, something different, something which is only accessible to us and nobody else. But to achieve that, the Yidin, by Matan Torah, needed to be ready for it. And that's why we were in Mitzrayim for the 210, 400 years of hard labor before going to Matan Torah. It's in order to prepare the Jews 
to make them vessels that they should be able to stand by Har Sinai and receive the Torah. Let's read inside. Vihine. Yisrael zachul matan Torah. The Jews merited matan Torah. Al yidei Yisurim the Galus Mitzrayim through the suffering of the exile of Mitzrayim bechimer ubulveinim. The chaymer, the cement, the levenim, the bricks, the endless work that they had to do, building the pyramids or whatever it was that they built. Sphinx. The sphinx. So building these um, uh, structures for Mitzrayim, but that was work that it broke away at any feeling of yeshus, of self, that they may have had. Because that's what an evid is. A slave is someone who does not feel any sense of self. Now sometimes, even for the Jews in Mitzrayim, it was certainly, there was a negative aspect to it. There was the cruelty of the Egyptians which broke away their sense of self and the brokenness that they had over there. And we don't want to have to achieve that state of bittal ever again in such a fashion. We want to be able to maintain our identity, our nationality, our recognition that we are Yidin and indeed we're still here strong many thousands of years after the Egyptians have been relegated to the dust of history. But still, the the breaking down of the Jews' egos in Mitzrayim was something which prepared them to stand without an ego with a sense of complete bittal by Matan Torah and be able to receive the Torah. And then, afterwards, they stood by Matan Torah and as we just read in the Chumash from yesterday's Chitas, in the Parsha that we read from the Torah yesterday, the Yidin said Nasa V'nishma. Saying Nasa V'nishma is such a fundamental part to being a Jew. To say Nasa Vinishma means, Abishtar, we are going to do whatever you tell us to do. Of course, we want to also be able to understand and absorb and appreciate. But it has nothing to do with us. We're doing it because we are completely battled to you. That state of bitto was something which they were trained for, so to speak, in Mitzrayim, and then they were able to stand by Har Sinai and say, Nasa v'nishma. Because, and this next sentence is so important, ki i afshar liyos gilo yvam shacha me'ar en seif baruchu ela b'makam sheyash b'chinas bitol davka. This is such an important and fundamental sentence for Hasidus in general. 
it is impossible for there to be a revelation and a drawing down from Abishter, from Ar Ein Seif Baruch from Hashem's infinity, only in a place which is battle. As my father had us, he, my father had us when we were very young already, give speeches. We would stand in front of the shul. It was either the small shtibel where we davened, or there was a bigger shul, Clanton Park shul, where we used to go sometimes. So by Shalashudis we would stand over there. We were little kids, and we would give a speech that our father prepared us for. So one of the things I remember that, our, that, that he put into those speeches is that in Kotsk they used to say, Avu gefintmen dem eberstin. Avu menlastem narayin. Where can we find Hashem? So the common answer is everywhere. But in Kotsk they always um, rebuffed common answers. Wherever we make room for Him. Where we make room for Him, that's where we're able to find Hashem. Of course Hashem is everywhere. But if you want to find Him, you need to make room for Him. The more self I am, the less room, so to speak, there is for Hashem. Hashem may be there, but you don't, you can't find Him there. Where can you find the one above? Only where you let Him in. And this is this point as well. It's impossible for there to be revelation of Hashem except in a place which is bottled to him. And that was the point of the Galus Mitzrayim. And that was the Nas of Anishma, the statement which the Yidin said, which excited Hashem so much when the Yidin responded in this way. And he said, as it says in the Gemara, who revealed this secret to my children, the secret of Nasev and Ishma. And he sent the angels, two million angels he sent, to place two crowns on the heads of every single Jew, one for Nasa and one for Nishma. In appreciation of this response, because this response, Nasev and Ishma, that's what allowed the Yidin to be recipients for Torah, something which changed them for all time. V'zehu inyan hakdamas nasa l'nishma. This is the idea of saying nasa v'nishma. Shehu bechinas habitul shemevatul ritzayne mikol v'kol. It's the level of bitul that a person is mevatul ritzayne. A person negates his ratzin mikol v'kol entirely. It's as if I'm saying what I want doesn't matter. I only want what Hashem wants. You Hashem, tell me what to do and I'm ready to do it no matter what. Vinishma is something which is not integral to me responding to your command. It's only a second step. But by the way, Vinishma is also part of it. Because the Jews didn't just get a crown for Nasa. They got a crown for Vinishma. Because when Vinishma follows Nasa, then Vinishma 
is bringing out the geschmack that I have. In other words, yes, I'm totally ready to do what Hashem wants. But I'm not just totally ready to do what Hashem wants. I'm going to enjoy it and appreciate it and understand it to the extent that I'm able to. And that's the ultimate bittel. Because a slave that's battle and says, whatever you want, I'll do it, is not a geschmacka slave. But a slave says, sure, master, what could I do for you? Is a whole different slave, a whole different servant. And that's the Nasa Vinishma. Nasa Vinishma is not just saying, Abishter, what should I do? I'm stuck. I'm your servant. I have no choice of my own. But it's saying, Nasa Vinishma, and I want to understand it and appreciate it and get a geschmack out of it as well. And this is the level of Aveda, of divine service. This is what it means when we speak about Aveda Sashem. What are we talking about when we're talking about Aveda Sashem? It says in the Pasuk, that we should serve Hashem. Eved, a servant, he doesn't have his own opinion. He doesn't decide, this I like, this I don't like. You know what? He told me to paint the walls blue, but I want to paint them green. That which his master commands him, he does. But again, the extent of the bittel is that it's not just Nasa, I'll do whatever you tell me to do, but it's even Nasa Venishma that I'm going to appreciate it to the extent that I'm able to as well. And that's the Mishpatim that I'm able to appreciate and understand, and I need to understand them logically as well. Through this that the Jews prefaced Nasa and said, Hashem will do whatever you tell us to do before we understand it. Understanding it is not a prerequisite to doing what you want us to do. Then it's possible that there should be this venishma, this understanding and this appreciation and this geshmak. You're only able to understand mitzvahs because you're approaching mitzvahs that I'm going to do it regardless of my understanding. And then the, under, the mitzvahs are able to become a part of you and penetrate you and become your gishmak too. Because to understand mitzvahs means that you're understanding Eibishter. How could you understand Eibishter? How could a creature understand his creator? It doesn't make sense. It's not something which can happen. How can someone finite understand something which is infinite? And it's not just infinite, it's the ultimate infinity, because infinite is saviv. Infinite means not finite. It's the ultimate infinity, which is truly infinite. How can we possibly understand something like that? Only because we're saying nasa, and in saying nasa, we're opening ourselves up and making room for Hashem and now Hashem is able to come inside of us and we're able to have Vinishma too and Vinishma is part of the process of being a Jew that's not Bittal there's a certain aspect of Bittal when it's coming together with the Nasa if it's coming as a result of the Nasa it's Bittal too mm-hmm. in other words it's Bittal which there's two types of Bittal there's one bittel 
I'll use my hands to do what you tell me to do. There's another bittle. I'm going to use my whole self to connect myself to you. Of course, I'll use my hands to do whatever you tell me to do. But I won't stop there. I'm also going to look at the world the way that you look at the world and to think about the things that you think about and to love the things that you love, etc. And that's that's really the bittle that happens under a chuppah between a husband and a wife when they become one, if they become one the way they're supposed to become one. This is this is a chiddush because you're saying that that actually really the the nishma is bit is a bittel itself. It, it is a bittel. It's Meaning a bittel that, that comes through bittel. Yeah. It's a deeper bittel. It's a bittel that's not just in the kayach hamais. It's a bittel that's in the in the seichel and the midas yeah. as well. Yeah. And it comes because of the nasa. So the nasa coming first. And then leading to the nishma is something that brings a yid to be able to be a mashal for the ar ein seif, to be able to absorb ar ein seif inside of him, just like Chachma is able to communicate ein seif, as we mentioned. Yeah? Yeah. Ah, however, In order that the Jews should be able to say Nasa V'nishma, they didn't just pop up at Har Sinai and say Nasa V'nishma. It wasn't something that just occurred there that uh, they suddenly turned into these great um, uh, Merkavas like the Aves. And they were ready to say, Hashem, we're ready to do whatever you want in order that they should reach this level. Now, when they left Mitzrayim, they were still on a level of katnos, of um, immaturity. In other words, although Mitzrayim indeed prepared them by breaking their ego, as we mentioned but nevertheless, they did not have the development in Mitzrayim to be able to understand and relate to Torah. So how should they arrive at such a deep bittel? You have a little child who's able to start suddenly quoting the most complicated, deep Concepts or mathematical equations? Where does he get such a thing from? So now we get back to the idea which we spoke about in the beginning of this Maimer, that Hashem lifted the mountain over their heads like a barrel. And you might think, what's Hashem doing over here? Why is Hashem coercing the Yidin, to accept the Torah. Why is he forcing them? What kind of acceptance is that? Where you say, are you going to take it? Are you going to take it? (laughs) 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 That's not accepting. That's something which any basic court will throw out onto the street and say that it was coerced. But this was the idea that Hashem lifted the mountain over their heads. 
Shahu Bechinas Viminitichab Kenis. So here, the Alter Rebbe explains to us, as we mentioned when we learned it in the earlier part of the Maimer, that really the mountain over their heads wasn't a scream, it wasn't a shout at the Yidin, it was an embrace, a hug. And the hug is also a form of coercion, where you pull the other person in okay, and you don't course. let them go. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's the bechina, the level of yimina techabkeni, his right hand embracing me. The hainu hiskalus avahal yena milmailal yisrael. Hashem demonstrated to the yidin how much he loves us. He showed his love for us, and that demonstration of love was something which was so to speak overwhelming in a good way for every single Jew that was there when we felt Hashem's love it's like when a child is able to feel the love of their parents often they're not able to feel it you hate me I hate you and so on and so forth but when a child matures and he's able to feel how much his parent loves him it's something which it's 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 almost stifling in a good way that they can't not love their parent back. Kameshakasav, as it says in the verse, Ahavti Eschem Amar Havaya. Hashem says, I love you, Yidin. I love you. And Hashem's love for the Yidin is so deep and so intense and so powerful that when we just get a glimpse of it, it's something that pulls us into its embrace. That that forces us to respond in kind. Sha'avazu, this love, Tichabkeni, it embraces Leknesis Yisrael to the Yidin, Umakefes Oisai Mikol Tzad, and it surrounds them like a hug from every side. Afilu Lebechinas Achirayim, that's the uniqueness of a hug. There are different expressions of love. There is a kiss. A kiss you give to the face. There is a, a a loving gaze. A loving gaze you give to the person, to their front. There is a expression, I love you, telling a person how much you love them. Again, that's to the person's ears, to the person's heart. You're speaking to the front of the person. The uniqueness of a hug is that a hug says, I love you entirely. The uniqueness of a hug is that a hug says, I love you from top to bottom, from front to back. I love every part of you. I love your front and I love your back as well. I love your good parts and I love your faults. I love those things in which you are not perfect in. Add to the point, a hug is something that does not allow the person who's caught in this embrace to turn away from him. And he's forced to stand with the person who's embracing him face to face, but he's caught in the embrace from the back. And this is what Hashem did to us by our Sinai. Hashem gave us a huge, gigantic hug. And that's what the mountain, the surrounding of the mountain, 
represents is a hug that's surrounding the whole Knesset Israel, the whole Jewish people. Dehainu, that means shal yidei ava al zu. Through this great and deep love, nisayir gamkein haava b'neshamis Yisrael. This aroused also the love by the neshama of Ayid. Ad shabau lemailam umadrega shektimunasal neshma. It brought the Jews to a feeling of complete love to Hashem as well. A love that was so great, so deep, so penetrating, that the Jews were able to say, Hashem, we're ready to do whatever you want. There are sometimes people that think that the more they scream at someone else, the more they'll be able to get them to do what they want them to do. And that doesn't work. It's been tried and failed and tried and failed and tried and failed over and over and over again. But there is one way that you're able to get people to do what you want. And that's by loving them so much. There was someone who told the Rebbe once, said, Rebbe, your Hasidim love you so much. They're ready to do whatever you want from them. It was such a excitement, with such a joy. You think about the Rebbe's army, shluchen, going to corners of the world, leaving their communities behind, because the Rebbe sent them. There's no glory, no money, no anything, just the shluches of the Rebbe. Rebbe, your chassidim love you so much. The conservative and even the reform segments of Judaism wrote articles trying to figure out what is the secret of Chabad. How does the Rebbe do something like this? How can you invigorate a generation? Because that's what it was when the Friedrich Rebbe came down to America. Everything was turning away from Torah. Everything was whatever will stay Jewish in name, in culture, in in concept. But not the way that Jews wear back in Europe. And the Fidik Rebbe said, no, it's going to be here just like it was there. And how do you accomplish something like that? How do you turn around the generation in such a way? How do you breathe this life into Yidin and Nishamis, wherever they are. So the Rebbe said, they're just reflecting what I feel for them. That was the Rebbe's response. It's just a reflection of what I feel towards them. Because the Rebbe feels such a deep love to us. That's why we have that love back and we're ready to do what the Rebbe tells us to do. We have a generation of chassidim that never saw the Rebbe. They never saw the Rebbe. And all of these Bachrim are so excited to do the Rebbe Shlichus, to go and Mitzrayim, to bring Nachas to the Rebbe, and so on and so forth. Where does this come from? That's how deep and how great the Rebbe's love is. 
this is the love that's being described over here that the Eibishter revealed for every single Jew at the time of Matan Torah. That the love that Hashem feels was felt so deeply inside of us that we could not turn away and we could not choose anything else. We could only say Nasa But caught in that embrace and only being able to say Nasa is great. The question is what happens after the embrace? ends, so to speak. And after we're standing on our own two feet. Let me just... Uh, let, let me just read a few a few more sentences. Through this great love, there was aroused also the love inside of every single Jew. To the point that they reached this level, that they were able to say, As it says in the verse, We had this also in other Maimarim that we learned, that like water reflects a face, so too a heart reflects another heart. And this is not talking only about the a, a heart of a person to his fellow, which, where it's also true, but on a deeper level, perush, this means, leiv ha'adam ha'elyein, the eibishter, who's called adam ha'elyein, who, mashakasav al-dmus ha'kisei dmus gemar adam, the image of eibishter that, that you have, the ten spheres, the ten koiches, the ten powers with which Hashem creates the world, which reflect the ten koiches that are inside of our neshama, our soul. And therefore the Ebishter is called Adam Ha'elyon, that the Dmus Kamar Adam, upon this kisei, the reflection of that which is in Hashem's heart to us causes a reflection back to Shahu Bhinas Ramach Mitzvasaseh, Dinan Ramach Ivrim de Malka. This is the level of the 248 mitzvahs, which represent the 248 limbs, Vishasa Loisase, Himshasagitim, the Eibishter inside of it to create the Eibishter just like every limb of a person draws his energy into it to to present the full presentation of this person. So this is why Hashem is called Adam HaElyein because Hashem too has the ten spheres and the Ramach and Shasa Gidim, just like a person has 248 limbs and 365 sinews. And this is reflected, El Adam to the person. Hainu Bchinas Adam, Sheh, Bibriya Yitzira Asiya. That's the level of Adam as it is in the lower worlds, because we're talking about Adam Elyain. That's the image of Abishtar, which is Al Hakisei, upon the Kisei. That's the Ten spheres as they are in the world of Atsilus. And that's reflected to Adam. That's the Neshama, the way that the Neshama is in the world of Bria, in Ganeidin Elyon, and then the way the Neshama is in the world of Yitzira, in Ganeidin Atachtin, and then the world that, the way that the Neshama is in the world of Asiya, until it's a Neshama Beguf inside of my body, inside of this physical body. And I feel 
the reflection of that. As it says that the image of those angels was like the image of a man. This is like water reflects a face. Through the revelation of this light from above, this level of Hashem's love that Hashem is expressing to us, that's what causes that this um, that that this is reflected too from below to above, and that we say, Avishter, we love you too, Nasavanishma. And that's what Nasavanishma is. Nasavanishma isn't, I'm a slave, I'm a servant, and I'll have to do whatever you tell me to do. Nasavanishma is, Avishter, I love you so much, and I want to do whatever you want. I want to understand it and appreciate it, but I'm ready to do it no matter what. That's what a, the Nasev Nishma is. Nasev Nishma is an expression of deep love and connection from a Yid Tasha. Um, my first question is the is about the Acharayim that we said in the beginning, earlier. What does that refer to? Is that refer to like the Yidin who are not like really? Yeah, okay. and also within me. That means I have my panemius. My panemius is when I'm learning Torah and I'm doing mitzvahs, I'm doing so, so. And I have my acharayim. My acharayim is when I'm uh, not exactly per- behaving perfectly. And sometimes I think that because I have these parts of me that are acharayim, therefore I'm rejected from Hashem, chas v'shalom. So the hug says no. The Ebesha says I love you through and through. Mm-hmm. And even those mistakes that you make, I love them too. Right. And that's the ultimate connection, the ultimate relationship, the ultimate love. You seem like, like Hashem is connecting to the Nefesh Bahamas also? Is that, what, is that Okay. Okay, and my second question is the, the Nishma. Not just the Nefesh Bahamas, even where the Yetzirah expresses itself. Okay. I still have to figure out the difference, but there is. Uh, and then the, the Nishma the is uh, like Nasir Nishma, and Nishma has. Two aspects of it. It's the like we're saying, it has the seichel and it has the midas. So there's bittel in both in both components of it. Right after when they say when the Yidin said nishma, right? Right. Good. Yeah. Okay. Let's see if we could read a little bit further. Vuhu ha'aloas knesses Israel beklois hanefesh elav yisbarach. This is the lifting up of knesses Israel of the Yidin the the group of Yidin, with Kleis HaNefesh, Eilav Yisparach Tu Hashem, blessed be He, V'lochein Nikras Knesses Yisrael B'Shem Kala. There's this um, uh, level called Kleis HaNefesh. Kleis HaNefesh is related to the word Kala. Kala means a bride. What's a bride? A bride is, you know, the um, uh, stereotypical swooning that, oh, and you just like completely battle, completely, you lose your own mitzvahs. That's a kala. A kala is klois hanefesh. Klois hanefesh is like, ukumeshikasav achesi kala, matevu, matevu dadecha miyayim, chulu. The yidin are compared to a kala. 
And the love between Hashem and the Yidin is like the love between Achasen and Kala, like expressed by Shleimah HaMelech. The, the intense love that exists between Hashem and the Yidin, that Hashem refers to the Yidin as a Chosi Kala. As it says in the Fasat, Matayvu Daidecha Miyayin, that Daidecha over here refer to your love, your affection, that that is something which is greater than fine wine, so to speak. And the reason why they're called a Kala is from this language of Klois HaNefesh, of just giving myself over completely. And how am I able to give myself over completely? Because of Hashem's dedication and love to us. So when the chasen expresses to the kala how deeply and how intensely his love to her is, then she, the kala, Knesset Yisrael, responds in kind with this deep connection and love and bittal to the chasen. And this is the idea that we see by Har Sinai that I'll call Dibur Parcha Nishmasan. That for every <coughs> Dibur, every expression, Parcha Nishmasan, their Nishamis flew out of their bodies. Shal Parcha Nishmasan. That through the Dibur and the Giloi, through Dibur means speech. But Dibur is also revelation. It's expression. It's showing myself. It's it's showing to you what's going on inside of me. And that's what the Dibur was. The Aseris HaDibur is Hashem expressed to the Yidin what's inside of him, what's by him. And that's Mumayla from above. That caused that Parcha Nishmasan. The Yidin just all swooned. You had two million people. Two million people. I just fainted. And as soon as Hashem started speaking, it was just like a, a wave of two million people Dominoes just, just like... uh, all flat on the ground. And then Malachim had to come and revive them. Uh, and every single time Hashem spoke, every gilui that there was of Hashem's love, in a state of complete bittal to the infinite light of Hashem. And this is what it means that Hashem held over their heads a mountain. It doesn't mean Hashem was ready to punch them in the face if they didn't accept the Torah. It's not a... Um, uh, 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 Hashem was saying that there would be thunder and lightning which would... Um, destroy them if they didn't listen to what Hashem wanted. On the contrary, it was the depth of Hashem's love, the har, the mountain of Hashem's love. This is a level of avel yena, which is called a mountain, as explained over here in the notes. Kegigis, like an overturned barrel. Shahu bechinas davar hamakif sacher kol almin. That's something which surrounds Sachar around all of the worlds. That this aroused in the Yidin the love. So of course they needed the preparation of Mitzrayim and the Galus Mitzrayim in order to erase their ego so that they should be able to stand and 
receive this deep level of love. Then they had the expression of Hashem's love, which called out in them the expression of Nasev and Ishma, Hashem, we love you too. And that's what allowed them then to stand and hear the Gilead, the revelation of Hashem's Torah, Hashem's Torah, which brought them to a state of complete Kleisa Nefesh, Anoichi Hashem Aleikacha, and the Torah which lasts for us forever and acts as a mashal and analogy for our insight. I just want to finish this section. The Zehu Pirish Masha Amr Chazal, Mikan Raisa. This is the explanation of this that our sages say that from here we have a great excuse for Torah. The Hainu that means this arousal in the hearts of every yid to accept the Torah. In a way of complete Mesiras Nefesh. We're ready to give ourselves up. It's not about us. It's just about Nasa doing what Hashem wants. <coughs> and Bittal, complete and Bittal, to the point of Hakikdimu Nasa Linishma, that they were ready to say Nasa Linishma. This was not something achieved by them with their choice and their will. That comes me'atzmam from themselves, levad. I'm sure all of you have been exposed to the idea of suggestion and how suggestion can, in a subtle and very deep way, cause people to do things which they would not have necessarily done to the point that a performer is able to get up on stage and pretend to guess what they're thinking only because they had um, first massaged them with subtle suggestions throughout the day or week or whatever it might be, right? So the basic premise is that really it's not the person who's choosing these things that they think they're choosing, whether it's a number, whether it's an idea, a thought, whatever it would be, when they think that they have complete free choice to choose whatever it is that they're choosing, but really there's something deep inside of them which had been prepped beforehand that caused them to choose that number or that vocation or whatever it would be. Right? So the same is true with the Yidin by Matan Torah. Mm-hmm. The Yidin said, Nasa Venishma. It's true. But they were being prepped for it from above, from outside of themselves. It wasn't something that came It wasn't something that came through choice from themselves. It was because of the suggestion from above. It was because Hashem prepped us for it. So, we would turn to Hashem and say, it's true Hashem, we said that we love you. But that was because of the deep suggestion of your love that was there beforehand. But what about now? When that suggestion is gone, 
What now? How are we supposed to feel the connection? That's where Purim comes in. And we'll continue tomorrow, Bezos Hashem. Ad ad la yada, ad ad la yada, ad la